Do you know what time it is? It's that time again with Cindy Gern, who has the latest news about employment trends, current opportunities, and innovative strategies for managing a career on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. this week's episode of STEM Speaks with your host, Camille Stewart. I'm really excited about today's guest. Amelia Friedman is the COO and co-founder of Hatch Apps, and I can't wait for her to tell you about it. So Amelia, please tell everyone what Hatch Apps does and who, who you're servicing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So glad to have you. <laughs> um, so uh, Hatch Apps uh, is uh, a company that we founded to serve entrepreneurs and small businesses um, uh, and address the challenge of how expensive, really, really expensive it is to build software. So we built a product that enables Um, business owners to build and deploy mobile and web applications really quickly at a fraction of the cost of existing solutions. Um, And it's, we started the company about three years ago um, and just off to the races now. So I really love this because having worked with a lot of entrepreneurs, the ability and aspiring entrepreneurs, the ability to actually build the product is usually a really big hurdle, right? Mm -hmm. People have it conceptually, they have an idea, they are concerned about identifying a partner, they need to find somebody to actually develop it. Um, The money to find that development could be a hurdle. So there's a lot of access issue um, in developing a company, especially one that's app-based. And so this really opens up an opportunity for founders or potential founders to bring their product into fruition. That's the hope. So I'm really excited about that. So can you tell us, maybe we can start with like a use case, one of your favorites, so people can get a real understanding of how Hatch Apps is helping entrepreneurs today. Yeah. Well, it's hard because I have so many favorites. Um, <laughs> uh, but we've, we've been able to, to work with a lot of entrepreneurs that are really kind of at the ideation stage of their company. So... Um, one example is um, this uh, great guy, uh, his name's Cody, came to us and was like, so there was an article published and about my hometown and said that this hometown's Lubbock, Texas. It's the most boring city in the world. And um, I want to do something about it. I want to show people how awesome Lubbock can be and I want to build an app around it. So he, with us, built this app that basically centralized all the awesome stuff that's going on in Lubbock, concerts, uh, events, um, restaurant openings, I mean, the like, and um, created this app that makes all of that accessible for his community. Um, And now he's thinking about how he can uh, take the success that he had in Lubbock and support other smaller cities that really do have this burgeoning, exciting scene, um, great ecosystem of fun activities, et cetera, um, and, 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 and showcase all of the, the great stuff that's going on in those cities. I love that example because not only is it illustrative of 
helping an entrepreneur get off the ground, but it's a social good use case. That's really cool. Um, and we all want to highlight our towns. <laughs> so that's a nice opportunity. So one of the things that I think is really cool about you is you actually grew up here in Arlington. Yes, I did. So it's really awesome that you are giving back to your community in this way. Can you tell us about how you got here? Because you've done a number of cool things on your path to Hatch Apps. Yeah. Um, so grew up in Arlington, as you said. Um, I went to Arlington Traditional School, then Swanson, then Thomas Jefferson, um, the SciTech School, nerd school, um, and uh, then kind of carted off for college. I, I went to school in Rhode Island. Um, and there I was really interested in language education. So um, I was taking, I took like five language courses through our formal curriculum, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, French, American Sign Language, and Polish. Wow. Um, and really got interested in, in, in language education. Ended up uh, building out um, with other students, building out these programs to teach languages that weren't being offered through our formal curriculum. Um, so Swahili, Thai, Bengali. Um, and come graduation, we were operating in a few other universities, um, generating a little bit of revenue, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do next. Um, but I was like, oh, I could, you know, go full time, try and make this work. And I felt like if I left it, it would fall apart. You know, it's a whole kind of entrepreneur, like, oh, like, what do I do? Mm -hmm. Um, so I, at the time I, you know, I was starting to identify myself as an entrepreneur, but it, it certainly wasn't like my identity. Um, um, but I decided to step out of school and step into building, um, that organization, which was a, a tremendous opportunity. Um, it brought me back here for a fellowship called Halcyon which is um, an incubator accelerator for early stage social ventures. And there I met my now co-founder. Um, so, uh, you know, along the way um, in DC, I, 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 I have always been really committed to supporting um, women entrepreneurs. Um, so I also helped to launch um, what is now the Veneta Project in DC to help female founders get access to capital. So we've worked with um, uh, uh, just around 200 local founders That's to wonderful. date, um, uh, engaged um, 100 plus investors really focused on driving uh, investor capital to these female founded companies. Um, so uh, where kind of all of those storylines converge is that is is um, my my now co-founder kind of pitched me on this idea of hatch apps, uh, a way to make it possible for entrepreneurs to 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 build apps and, and grow their businesses. And um, when he pitched me on it, I was like, "Well, I mean, you're awesome. I still think that I'm my co-founder. I think he's like the smartest person I've ever met." Um, doing all this work with uh, other founders in the community and and my language education organization was a nonprofit. So this kind of Veneta work I was doing was really exposing me to. Um, the for-profit world and venture capital and all this stuff. And I was like, it kind of felt like, you know, all of these different things were coming together and um, uh, created a really great opportunity for me. So, you know, now we're, we, we incorporated in August of, of 2015. Um, so we're about three years in um, and it's been a really phenomenal experience. That's amazing. So I'm always a big fan of non-traditional tech stories because I am a non-traditional tech person myself. Um, and I also think it's really important to highlight how a multitude of disciplines really come together in tech. And, that, and that's really important. And so I imagine that your language skills are probably 
really beneficial in, in developing head taps or, or yeah yeah sometimes I don't know I'm probably some in some way <laughs> maybe in the evolution uh-huh. maybe you will integrate different languages into head taps yeah um yeah so I my undergrad so I I I I, uh, I went my college um I went to Brown and there's no um. I mean, they like really don't make you do anything there. So I didn't study. I didn't take a single science or math class in college. And you know, like, yes, I did some computer science in high school. Yeah. Um, but in college, I was like, I'm done. Focus on what I um, want to focus. The on. closest yeah. I got was stats for social research. Like, I couldn't even. I couldn't even get myself to take like the real stats class. Um. So. Um. That said, you know, I think a lot of what you learn in a liberal arts education can be tremendously beneficial. So my degree was in Brazilian literature. Mm -hmm. Um, Fortunately, my parents didn't ask too many questions. Um, (laughs) But I I think, you know, I really learned how to write. I learned how to communicate. Um, uh, I I took the time to, like, take courses that were really interesting to me and kind of foster my own curiosity. I was really, at the time, really interested in um language education but uh, but also post secondary education more generally um so take I was taking a lot of classes on kind of the history of higher education um policies within institutions et cetera et cetera and um really diving deep and I feel like what I really learned how to do is to take something learn about it really quickly build um and that's what we're doing right now is yeah. regardless of what the the technical product is that you're building um it's like you're likely going to need to learn about as as an entrepreneur you're gonna have to learn about all these different parts of the business and and you know unless you've built a business just like that right before like you're you're gonna have to learn about how to manage it manage a sales team and build out a marketing um a marketing strategy and uh, develop a technical team and hire technical people whatever the thing is um so um when you talk about folks coming from non-traditional backgrounds that ability to what's I think is most important is that ability to tolerate risk really well mm-hmm. and to learn really quickly and to be comfortable saying I don't know and asking for help when you need it. Yeah. Some of the best people don't know the answers. They just know where to get the answers. Right. So that's really cool. And I think one of your earlier points is really interesting, too, about falling into entrepreneurship, right? I think a lot of people are staring down the barrel of a good idea or an opportunity to take a leap. Can you talk about the decision-making process to kind of embrace entrepreneurship full form? Yeah, I think it's just a question of starting. I mean, you know, you can talk about how you need this to happen and that to happen, and we need this funding, and I need to research this thing and really it's about starting so um about uh six months into our hatch apps journey we hit um an obstacle that many entrepreneurs hit which is that we ran out of money Mm -hmm. um and uh at the time you know we weren't really ready to to take a step back from hatch apps we were really committed to it um so this was in january of 2016 back when um the election was funny um (laughs) i was like during the primary uh like the primaries and there are the primary debates and you know like i for one um was uh kind of just kind of felt like a shock and awe moment um so uh we were like what can we sell a lot of right now and so we came up with this card game that was like a satirical card game like a cards against humanity for the 2016 election so interesting super random not relevant to our idea but 
Um, we came up with like five cards, um, printed them on the Halcyon printer that um, Incubator is talking about. I mean, we didn't have, even have printers. It's kind of like the level of ratchet we were at. So uh, we printed those out. We cut we cut them out and we took pictures. We put them on a website and wrote Make Card Games Great Again and um, pushed out to the world. And a week later, we had we did $50,000 in sales. Um, and then we're like, oh, snap. We actually have to come up with the cards. We have to, And there, you, you can see the world where... Instead of doing it that way, you're like, oh, okay, well, first I need to create this whole marketing strategy and figure right. out how I'm going to manufacture and do da da And uh, there's, well, I'm going to see, like, now that I'm doing this, you know, this won't work. And get, you get yourself all wound up. And it's, like, once you start, like. It'll come together. Yeah, you just, you'll, you'll fix it as it, as it happens. And, yeah. and that's always been my attitude is just do the thing, start the thing. And like, yes, there will be fires and your job as the entrepreneur is going to be to put them out. Um, But if you like start talking to lawyers before you even have really have the idea, have it together, then you're, you're going to be in a position where lawyers, accountants, like all all the different kind of, I I don't mean, I know that you're a lawyer, right? I I was (laughs) like, oh oh, snap, I I shouldn't have said that. It's like, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, I am not a no attorney for the record. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, it's, it's so funny. We, I mean, we have customers that work with us and they have, they have no No attorneys. attorneys, And um, it's like, you know, they've been working with us for like X number of months and it's, 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 it's certainly, a more challenging path. So, um, but I, I think that's that my speaks to your starting. Yeah, no, and I think that speaks to your risk calculus point, right? Like, you have to have a pretty high risk appetite to be an entrepreneur. I mean, and there are levels to that and stages to that, and you can accept more or less than someone else. But if you have a pretty heavy risk appetite and you are willing to take a leap, that's an awesome way to build revenue, start a company love your game idea what a great way to get some quick cash um which brings up a great point so between hatch apps and the vignetta project you've done a lot with raising funds and helping entrepreneurs get the money that they need to get started can you talk a little bit about ways people can look for money ways that people can you know build the interest and the investor followership that they need yeah um First off, it's really hard. Yeah. Um, so I mean, we worked for we worked building hatch ups for a while without paying ourselves, putting money in. And, you know, I don't know if it was, if it was like, I mean, definitely at least a year. I we So that's I mean, and that's two people, one who had built an operation to, to operate in seven cities and the other who had sold his last company. So raising capital is, is really challenging. Mm-hmm. Um what I would say is um, the best way to have a better pitch is to have a better company. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, when it comes down to it, um, it's if you don't have a product, you don't have any traction, you don't understand your customer, it's going to be really, really challenging to raise capital. Um, I'd also say that um, if you are really committed to building your business. Normally the first money comes from friends and family, broadly yeah. defined. So so our friends and family isn't necessarily literal family or even like best friends. It's people that are in our network. And a lot of later stage investors want to see that because they want to see that you're in, you're you're you have skin in the game. 
Um, if you're raising capital, you're like, okay, I want to raise a million dollars. I'm going to pay myself 120 grand <laughs> um, from day one, and I'm not quitting my job until I do it. Then me as an as an investor, I I I'd say, well, you know, why should I take this risk if you're not willing to take any risk? Right. Um, so. Um, all of that said, the best way to raise capital for your company is from customers. So if if you can, like, what can you sell to your customers? Is is there a way to pre-sell? Is there a way to use Kickstarter? Because that's non-dilutive. Um, and, and, and whenever possible, we try to focus there. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's been, for us, um, a really important part of our growth strategy. And as you do that, you're also making your company more interesting to investors because they're seeing your revenue. So um, it all goes back to like build a great company, um, think about each part of your operation, think about how you're going to commercialize it, build it, productize it, whatever, um, and and focus on that as much as you can. Fundraising is a full-time job. When we're fundraising, my co-founder is like out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So it's really hard to build your business when you're fundraising. So you kind of feel like you have to choose one or the other in in order to be successful at either. That's a great point, as well as your point about really understanding your business, understanding who your audience is, understanding what your product is, understanding what your market is and what that looks like. That base level research, I think a lot of people ignore, um, but is really essential to, yes, getting funding, but even just having a successful concept, right? Have really thought through the product, the service, the market, the customers, Um so I think that's a really great piece of advice. Do you have any other advice for young entrepreneurs or, you know, folks that are interested in starting something? Um, probably. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm like always like I'm always like I don't see myself as a particularly wise person, so I should probably shouldn't be solicited for Experience advice. Experience is a great I, teacher. You get uh, lots of wisdom. I think that the one of the things that um, I'm probably going to sound like a broken record to, to most folks out there. Um, but has been really critical to me is to have mentors. Mm-hmm. And when you're an entrepreneur, um, there are a lot of different kind of mentors that um, you need to build your business. Um, I just got breakfast this morning with someone I consider to be a mentor who is um, a, a CMO and he's mm, really great. a great CMO. And so where he gives me advice is on marketing. And yes, he has incredible feedback on other parts of my business. But if I'm looking for advice on sales, I'm going to go to another mentor. So thinking about how you build your personal advisory board. And I think for anybody who wants to have who wants to um, level up professionally, that's so critical. Like who yeah. are your mentors and and how do you have kind of different mentors for different parts of your life? A lot of friends of mine who are um, thinking about starting a family um, and how to balance work and life, they have mentors that they kind of see as more personal, like successful woman mm-hmm. who has been able to really balance that well. So what are the things, what are the areas where you are either struggling now or envision yourself struggling within the future? And how can you surround yourself with people that you consider to be experts in those things and, and um, uh, people that you really respect? Um, because the reality is you're never going to know everything. And it's honestly sometimes not the best use of your time to try and figure everything out for yourself if there's someone else out there that's already done it before. Yeah. And willing to share their wisdom with you. Mentorship is such an important point. And I like that personal advisory board because no matter what area you're in, you need it. You need <laughs> guidance. You need support. Sometimes you even need a, like a pick-me-up call, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not even always about the the content. It might be 
just keep pushing. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about some of the stuff you're doing outside of work? Yeah. Um, well, first off, I find myself working quite a bit. Um, <laughs> Life of an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, I, um, I, I referenced briefly the work I, 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 I was doing with the Veneta Project. I can c- continue to do that. I'm the chair of the advisory board um, for um, Veneta in D.C. Um, so actually tomorrow night um, uh, I'm you know, participating actively in, in, in one of the, their events, um, our events. Um, I also do a fair amount of writing, so I'll write on management for um, publications such as the Harvard Business Review or Fast Company. I really enjoy doing that. It pushes me to think hard about what we do well mm-hmm. and where I can stand to improve, which is most areas. Um, <laughs> but uh, I also historically have really loved running. I, I ran my first marathon a couple years ago oh, and awesome. loved it. And um, recently I've been not as great at that, but um, I really uh, love ha- creating time for myself to be reflective. But more than anything else, like most people, um, I, I really love spending time with my family. Um, you know, I live in Arlington here in Roslyn with my fiance and um, my parents are just on the road. So that's, that's awesome. where a lot of my, my uh, out of work time goes. Good. Self-care is important. It's important to get time with friends, family. I love the running. I used to run and then I hurt myself. So I don't run as much anymore. Yeah, but running is amazing. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I'm always recovering. I feel like I'm always recovering from a running injury. Um, Got to ice better. Or yeah. Better, and stretch better. better. Something yeah. better. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely a great outlet. Okay. So tell people how they can get in touch with you. How can we hear more about the work that you're doing? How can we learn more about Hatch Apps and the Vignetta Project? Yeah. So um, the best place to learn about Hatch Apps is on our website, um, hatchlikeanegapps.com. And the best place to learn about Veneta is also on the site. Um, It's uh, Veneta Project, V-I-N-E-T-T-A project.com. Um, and if anyone wants to get in touch with me, the best way is via Twitter. Um, so that's uh, my Twitter handle is my first and last name, Amelia Friedman, A-M-E-L-I-A-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. Um, and feel free to tweet it. I will for sure be watching because I can see Hatch Apps doing some big things. I love the concept of helping entrepreneurs pull together their applications and really get off the ground in a way that's accessible and open and inevitably does some social good which is cool so thank you for joining us thank you thank you for sharing hatch apps with us and for supporting entrepreneurs Um, and thank you all for joining us today on stem speaks thank you for tuning in to the workforce show this interview and others can be found at wera.fm or at careercentralonline.com thank you for listening until the next time